business, finance, and economics. This is Finance Friday's Real Economics for Real Life. Welcome to episode 24. This is a bit of a strange one because I kind of ran out of ideas for this week, not going to lie. So this is kind of like a just a roundup of all the main headlines that we saw from this week in the worlds of business, finance and economics. Um, hope you enjoy. Um, it is like a little bit of death, yeah, a little bit, but um, definitely we'll do better next week. Uh, just, yeah, lack of <laughs> inspiration or anything going on. But um, hope you enjoy anyway. Um, yeah, let's go. This week, we were expecting news of a Brexit deal or lack thereof. And everyone thought this was truly make or break for Brexit. But in reality, it was both, neither. In all honesty, nobody has a clue at this point. With statements from Prime Minister Johnson and the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, plus frustration emerging from both camps, this week certainly has been eventful for Brexit even if it also feels like absolutely nothing happened at all. Let me explain that though, because as I say, this was actually a super important week. That's because it really was the final deadline for Brexit negotiations. A deal needs to be ratified by both the European Union and the United Kingdom. On the EU side, that would require ratification from the EU Parliament and Council. On the UK side, according to the Constitutional Reform and Government Governance Act, the UK government would need to give Parliament 21 days to scrutinise the treaty. However, there are some ways that the government could cut corners around that, but uh, I'm not so sure MPs would be best pleased. The second reason this week was so important was because on Tuesday, the UK Cabinet Office Minister, Mr Michael Gove, stated that after discussions with the European Commission Vice President, Mr Maros Sefcovic, the UK government would drop the Internal Market Bill, a controversial piece of legislation which sought to override some elements of the withdrawal agreement that were signed this time last year, uh, namely the Northern Ireland Protocol, which uh, regulates the movement of goods between Great Britain and Northern Ireland after the transition period. On Wednesday, the Prime Minister Johnson decided to pull up to Brussels and discuss the state of negotiations over dinner with the EU Commission President von der Leyen after a pretty fruitless, shall we say, phone call last Sunday. And this dinner yielded nothing except that this upcoming Sunday, the 13th of December, is being regarded as the absolute final deadline to decide on a deal. Now, contrary to many news reports, the biggest hurdle 
is not actually fisheries anymore. It concerns whether Britain may undercut the social, labour, environmental and state subsidy rules that underpin the European Union's single market. Final point is this. My take is that while there might not be much economic or logistic difference between a no deal and a thin trade deal that the UK government wants, there is a massive political difference between a deal and a between a no deal and a flimsy deal, you know, just kind of botched up together. And not having a deal at all will make building a substantial, you know, um, friendly relationship between the United Kingdom and the European Union that much harder in the near future. Now, the latest monthly GDP figures for October in the UK came out from the Office for National Statistics. And remember, what we're talking about here is the value of economic output, i.e. goods and services uh, that the country is generating. This is basically one of the most utilised statistics to get a sense of how much economic activity is going on. Of course, we know what happened at the height of the public health crisis back in the spring when there was a dramatic quite unprecedented fall in GDP. Um, GDP went down by 20% in April alone due to the lockdown containment measures, etc. However, with many things reopening in the summer and autumn, we are seeing somewhat of a comeback. So the Office for National Statistics, the ONS, calculates that uh, UK GDP grew by 0.4% in October and that's the slowest growth in GDP since the bounce back. But that really shouldn't come as a surprise because remember, the UK government introduced the COVID tiering system during that month. So most economists were well aware that was going to be a relatively weak monthly reading. And for November, the consensus view amongst economists is for a contraction in GDP given the national lockdown measures enacted. But yeah, we are at the moment still 7.9% below the pre-pandemic crisis peak. So yeah, still a bit to go yet, but gradually getting there and a recovery nonetheless. Another huge headline from the business world was Airbnb's initial public offering. Uh, Airbnb's IPO took place on Wednesday, December 9th, and its shares began trading on Thursday, December 10th. The company had initially announced its plans to go public back in September, following a number of big debuts by tech companies like Zoom, Pinterest, Uber, Lyft, uh, and, and others. In a Bloomberg TV interview, the Airbnb CEO, Mr. Brian Chesky, said he felt incredibly fortunate and humbled by the whole experience of battling through the storm and turbulence of the pandemic and coming out of it on the other side to this point. 
Um, I, I actually saw the interview myself and I can say that, yeah, he seemed overwhelmed by it all. And he said something that was quite interesting to me. He said like, uh, and I quote, the higher the stock price, the higher the um, expectations. And the IPO was priced at $68 a share, uh, valuing the company at $47 billion overall. Uh, the indicated price at the market open in New York climbed from $138 per share to $145 and then eventually to $150 a share, essentially more than doubling its original set price. Um, so Airbnb sold about 50 million shares on Wednesday. Uh, as I say, valuing the company at $47 billion. Um, and that, that's up from the price range it had previously set of $56 to $60, which would have valued the company at about $42 billion a share. Uh, on the first day of trading, Airbnb stock debuted on the NASDAQ, uh, $148 per share, and then jumps to $160, representing a 135% increase from its um, IPO. Uh, the, giving the company a valuation of over a hundred billion dollars. Now let, let's look at Airbnb. How do they that uh, their history? How do they fare? You know, being a travel um, and tourism related um, sector company. How do they fare during the pandemic? Well, the pandemic actually created a major slowdown, as you would expect in Airbnb's business. But the company seems to have survived the worst of it. Um, during the height of the pandemic in the second quarter, a large number of cancellations and just slow bookings created a massive loss in revenue. Um, during the same quarter, the company's loss widened to $575.6 million, up from a loss of $297 million during the same period last year. Airbnb initially responded to the pandemic by cutting costs. It cut 25% of its workforce. It cut 2020 bonuses and reduced executive salaries for six months. By May, the company said it has started to see customers return for local getaways and for working remotely. As a result, the company reported um, a $219 million third quarter profit down from 266 million in the same period last year. Um, but Airbnb before the COVID pandemic, um, what was their business like? How, how were they um how are they surviving in, in the environment? Well, Airbnb's revenue was rapidly growing, but so were its losses. Its revenue rose from 2.6 billion dollars in 2017 to 3.7 billion in 2018 and 4.8 billion in 2019. Um, the company had 54 million active customers in 2019 globally and 247 million guest arrivals. It also said that 84% of its revenue came from customers who had rented on its service within the past year, up from 82% from the previous year, showing that the service is getting better at retaining customers. And for the future, what kind of challenges will Airbnb face um, and how do they aim to tackle these? Well, Airbnb's biggest challenge is the coronavirus pandemic, which continues to keep people at home, uh, not traveling, etc. 
Um, some hosts and prospective hosts are also opting not to list their accommodations on the service. Meanwhile, city governments, um, prominently in the US, frequently tweak their restrictions on rentals um, frequently, which can make uh, business um, hard to manage. And that can impact whether the company can host guests there. Uh, but beyond COVID-19, the company has also struggled with safety issues, including guests hosting unauthorized parties that have become violent. Um, after two shootings at parties in California left people dead and injured, the company um, had to enact new rules in an effort to improve safety. So that's Airbnb. Congratulations to the company and everybody involved. Uh, the CEO and the co-founders, Brian Chesky. Um, yeah, it's a feel good story um, from the business world um, as we close out the year. Well, that has been it for episode 24 of the Finance Fridays podcast. I hope that you've been informed on some of the main headlines from the business and economics world this week. Be sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast provider and join us next week for a brand new episode until then this is finance fridays signing out peace